It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tauntauns. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined this morning as always by Connor Christensen and Jim Lahane. Today we're going to be talking about a lot of comic books. Uh, Since the last time we just really dug into comics, there are six new issues uh, from different all different series for us to get into. Uh, We got a little bit of news for you today and we're going to be talking about the first episode of the High Republic show that dropped recently. Uh, but before we get started today, uh, Jim, I, I know that you wanted to uh, take a minute. Yeah. Uh, so we have had a longtime listener who is a very dear friend of mine. I'm sure those two facts are not related whatsoever. And he has been going through some health issues for quite a number of years. My my friend's name is Dale. Um, you can find him as Dex on Twitter if you, if you see him around. He is the most supportive and loving person that I know. And his uh, he's having a hard time right now. And I would just like it if people can kind of keep him in in your thoughts and know that we here at the pod support you and that um, there's a lot of people out there that also support you and know that you are in our thoughts. Absolutely. Well said, Jim. All right. Um, it's Star Wars Podcast Day, of course. Uh, so this is the anniversary of the very first Star Wars podcast that was released. That is why the show is being released a day early. Uh, from Two days early. early. Two days early, excuse me. Uh, so if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about Star Wars Podcast Day and the Star Wars podcasts that are participating in it, which are quite a few... Uh, you can head over to Twitter to Star Wars Pod Day. That's the handle uh, that's that's running this, and they have a link to their site, and uh, there's a whole bunch of other information you can get there. But it's basically just a cool little thing to bring the Star uh, Star Wars podcast community together. Um, there's a lot of great shows that you can interact with and find out about there, uh, and we're one of them. So thanks for listening to us, uh, and yeah, we hope you guys find some other cool shows through that. Mm-hmm. I know I did. I found a, a couple couple new pods to listen to through that, so um, it's cool. Um, shout out to A for Jim to bring this to our attention, to getting us involved in this, um, but also uh, the the peeps who organized it. I think it's uh it's pretty cool, and I hope that one day, maybe in like twenty thirty six, uh, we can finally maybe like get all the podcasters together for some sort of Star Wars celebration meetup. Um, Someday, we can drink. There's a there's a th- event uh, you might have heard of. It's called Star Wars Celebration. Uh, yeah, JJ, that's why I said a celebration meetup. You idiot! Wow, that was kind of mean. Yeah. So last I saw, they had announced that they had 77 podcasts. Um, they were very uh, happy about that. <laughs> I feel like we should have cut it to 66. Okay. Anyways, uh, since Connor is apparently in a little bit of a mood today, uh, we, we might as well get it out of his system quickly so we actually get to a, a proper conversation. So, Connor, uh, we've been asking for some listener feedback on Twitter, and I believe that you have some for us today. What's this? Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Wait a minute. Where'd she go? Bring her back. Play back the entire message. What message? The one you've just been playing. As we've you know said in the last couple of episodes, uh, dear listeners, we have we've relaunched our Twitter uh, and um, 
We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, any questions you have, any suggestions for things for us to discuss, anything at all that you would like to come up on the show, we are uh, we are open, as as the kids say, the DMs are open. But actually, don't DM us. Um, just reply to the tweet. Uh, but anyway, this you can DM us. Why why can't they DM us? I I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't think I've checked the DMs of ours. Um, it's because we haven't gotten any yet. Oh, well, sad. So maybe do DM us. Be our first DM, and we'll you'll get a special award. We'll I don't know. We'll... All right, Connor. What is the feedback tweet that we received? Uh, this comes from um, Jean Pierre seventy two. Uh, and he asks, who is your favorite underrated character from the sequel trilogy? And I've put a lot of thought in this, and it's really hard to, A, do this without sounding like we're bashing the sequel trilogy, because that's not what we like to do here. And I also genuinely enjoy the sequel trilogy. But it's hard to pinpoint one underrated character, because with the exception of maybe three or four characters most of the characters in the trilogy are kind of underdeveloped and left alone um so it's hard to pinpoint underrated versus underdeveloped um but if we're looking at underrated and the idea that underrated means they they have more of an impact than they're given credit for my answer would be snap wexley uh He's part of Poe's Black Squadron, um, and I guess it's kind of cheating because I'm more thinking of his role in the comics and how much he does behind the scenes and how integral he is to Black Squadron. Um, so yeah, my answer would be Snap Wexley, and I feel like he gets just uh, they really like like uh, breeze over his death in the Rise of Skywalker. It's just like he dies, and Poe is like, "Oh no!" Anyway, um, so yeah, Snap. That's my answer. So for you're right. Underrated is a weird classification because how would you rate underrated? Uh, and so I kind of have two answers for this. One would be Finn, but I don't feel like Finn is an underrated character. Um, I feel like he is a main component of the storyline and one of the most important characters. So I wouldn't classify him as underrated. Other than that, I would say probably Maz. I think uh, Lupita Nyong'o's um, portrayal of Maz was absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I really loved the animation that they did. And I felt she was a very grandmotherly sort, but kind of a grandmother with a, a sense of mischief, like kind of like a, a young Yoda sort of thing. And so um, I, I really like her. And I think she had a much bigger impact on the story than she's given credit for. I, I almost picked Maz as well. I thought about Maz a, a lot. Yeah, I, I pretty much had Maz and Finn on my list. It's it's hard to say underrated, uh, especially since we have gotten no other content for this yet besides the films. Um, it's it's hard. I don't want to be overly negative, but I I just immediately go to like underutilized yeah. and like uh, General Hux, how they transitioned his character comes to mind obviously finn is hands down the biggest example there um but if we're just doing straight up underrated i'd probably also go with maz i feel like there's so much more uh to find out about that character i'm sure eventually we will it's a terrible shame that maz was already taken in the pool so you got to pick somebody different (laughs) we that's all i got we only get one (laughs) that's all i got 
My you answer gone first. <laughs> my answer is I'm changing is Uncar plot uh, because I want more Simon Pegg in everything. All right. Uh, so moving on here. Thank you for the question, uh, by the way. Yes, thank you, JP. Uh, please keep them coming. Moving on, we got a little bit of news today before we get into uh, picking apart the High Republic show. Your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Hello, what have we here? Uh, so the first piece of news I'm pretty stoked about. Uh, it leaked before it uh, was like officially revealed, but a new Star Wars Black Series Hasbro uh, figure for Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order uh, leaked, and then Hasbro pretty much just officially revealed it very quickly after that. Uh, so it's it's really cool. He's got um, multiple lightsaber options because in the game you can do if you repair the lightsaber you can do double bladed as well as single bladed uh he's got a number of his like poncho type outfits that he wears uh he's also got his bd1 minifigure with him which is like one of my favorite droids in star wars right now i love bd1 i thought he was awesome jedi holocron so it's it's pretty cool and i think it's only oh i thought it was 20 bucks it's 30 bucks uh, so you can pre-order it now from GameStop, and it's uh, expected to arrive in June. So if you'd like to get a closer look at that and get a link to pre-order it, if you go to AIPTcomics.com and, and just uh, do a basic search for that or uh, take a look under our toy section, you can easily find it there. So in actually related, uh, kind of related to that, related to the character, it appears that Cal Kestis's uh, legacy lightsaber has just been officially revealed at Doc Gondar's in Walt Disney World. Boo. Boo. Well, we knew that was coming Boo. because the, uh, the competition they ran for the next one, I think he was winning by like 70% of the vote or something. He won by quite a lot. Quite a lot. <laughs> so, but um, according to uh, Matt Martin, had retweeted a tweet about it. And the, the, the um, across the stars, uh, Jen Marie, on Twitter had mentioned that according to a cast member, color of the blade will be blue and there'll also be an adapter. So it looks like Cal's master, Cal's masters, um, double bladed lightsaber. Oh, okay. that's, oh, that's really cool. All right. I'm back. I'm back in on it. I'm back in. That's pretty rad. Uh, I don't like the fact that it's blue. Um, the real ones know that <clears throat> you pick green because green's the cool color, but, uh, you know, that's easily changeable with the Kyber crystal. Uh, I, d I was kind of hoping there would be more poncho options with this toy because that's, you know, something in the games you have so many different available options for the ponchos. Uh, but I do like how the, the, the toy comes with two lightsabers. I think that's cool. They also gave Cal a much more chiseled and prominent jawline, which I feel like um, the actor, uh, who is it, Cameron Moynihan, something like that? Yeah. Um, I think he's probably like, sweet, like, love this. All right, moving on from the jawline. Uh, another piece of news: The Mandalorian has received a Golden, Glo uh, Golden Globe, excuse me, nomination for Best TV Drama, which is really exciting. Uh, I feel like stuff like Star Wars often gets left out of the conversation, uh, so it's the 78th Golden Globe Awards that it has been nominated for uh, this award. I have no idea what it's up against, but I'll obviously be pulling for it. Yeah. I <laughs> realized when I was going through the Golden Globe nominations, I was like, wow, I have watched, like, not that much TV this year outside of, like, comedy shows and Star Wars shows because I didn't know, like, half the shows. 
Um, but I, I actually think it's kind of funny because um, I think they got two nominations this year. Uh, I think one was a visual effects nomination. The other one is best drama. But last year, after season one, they got way more nominations at the Golden Globes. And I thought season two was a vast improvement over season one. Um, yeah, so I'm a little su- agree with that. A little surprised that it didn't get more uh, nominations. Um, kind of surprised that there were no acting nominations uh, for The Mandalorian. Specifically, and I'm going to bring this up again, I'm a little bit surprised that Bill Burr didn't get a nod for his uh, Mayfeld episode. Because they they nominated Giancarlo Esposito last year for his role when it was like the guy had like 17 minutes of screen time in the entire season. So it's like, why not give it to the guy who got one episode where he crushed it? Uh, But anyway, it's cool to see him nominated. It's cool to see Star Wars get nominated. I have the the list of what it's up against. Oh, yeah. I pulled that up as well. The Crown, Lovecraft Country, Ozark, and uh, Ratched. Uh, I've only seen Lovecraft Country, which was awesome. I have no idea what the other shows are even about. You don't know uh, the Crown are? is about the Crown. There you go. Um, Ratchet is about one floor of the cuckoo's nest, mm-hmm. uh, and the which nurse. is I've, yeah, I've seen very. Uh, my wife has watched both the Crown and Ratchet. She loves the Crown. Um, I didn't hear much about Ratchet. It's a weird show, from what I've heard. I've never seen one floor of the cuckoo's nest, so I think a lot of it would be uh, lost on me. Uh, and then Ozark is Breaking Bad, but in Missouri. All right. Well, good luck to the Mandalorian. So our last piece of news this morning, uh, before we move into the High Republic show, EA has revealed their earnings from Galaxy of Heroes. So they made Star Wars, the franchise, made $3 billion for EA. And that mobile game alone made them a billion dollars. That just blows my mind. So I wonder how much their games cost. Like, what kind of profit are we looking at? Because it said it generated three billion in revenue. That doesn't. That's doesn't. Uh, that's not your profit. That's just how much money they made off. Of it. I have to imagine the the margin on mobile games is pretty, pretty. Uh, in EA's favor here. Yeah, I feel like with a game like Battlefront 2, where you had to end up releasing a ton of free content to win the player base back over, I don't know the specifics, but I wouldn't be surprised if Battlefront 2 had a little bit slimmer margins because of the, the bad launch. Um, but then you have like a, a game like Squadrons, where it's it's not as intensive a development life cycle, um, so it allows for um, a bigger ROI econ terms finance terms i'm a i'm a market whiz people know this um, return on investment yeah yeah uh acronyms and such but um but with mobile games yeah i'm pretty sure the the financial investment is significantly lower yet you have a much higher ceiling especially because it's free to play to download then you just get people hooked on the um the in-app purchases uh, the fact that they i have Obviously, I've gotten a ton of advertisements for Galaxies of Heroes, especially on Reddit and stuff. Never had any interest in playing it. But the fact that it got a billion dollars. Apparently, a lot of people do. My buddy plays it, um, but he has never spent a dollar on it. He just likes to collect all the different heroes. That's that's like a big uh, appeal, I guess, is that it has like every character you can imagine from the franchise. And you can, you know, 
level them up and unlock various abilities. It's basically like forming your own Pokemon team, but with Star Wars characters. It's the same thing. They they have a Marvel version of it, too. Um, and it's it's very similar. It does bonkers in terms of uh, uh, revenue generation. So, this I mean, this is why I don't... Anyone who thinks that EA is just going to give up making Star Wars games, uh, they're not they're not they're going to keep making games and you know lucasfilms already said they're going to continue working with ea it's just not going to be exclusive um so expect more ea star wars games um and i would say based on the last two releases we've gotten uh squadrons jedi fallen order there's reason to be okay with that i think i think ea's done a good job with recent star wars games i know that sounds crazy coming from me because i'm so critical of ea but they've credit where credit's due last two games have been good all right that's going to do it for news today. Uh, so now we're going to be talking about the High Republic show. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. All right. So Star Wars The High Republic show is a new behind-the-scenes web series hosted by Christina Ariel, who we spoke about on uh, either last week or the week before's episode. I, I can't remember. But we've spoken about her in recent memory. Um she is hosting the new YouTube uh, channel, and it's going to be, be released on a bi-monthly basis and feature guests from um, the initiative that are, that are writing the various books and comic books that are, are part of the High Republic. And I imagine um, that list of creators is going to probably grow as we move into phase two and three of the High Republic. Uh, the first episode premiered on January 27th. And let me see how long it was here. 23 minutes. He's got it right there for us, folks. Um, I uh, Initial reactions before we um, like dig down into things. I loved it. I thought it was great. I took so much out of it. What did you guys think? I thought it was fun. Uh, it gave us some of it was repeat information that we got from the High Republic launch but that was a very long, that was an hour. Um, and it took me like three days of interspersed sitting and watching. So it was nice to get a refresher of the, the news that came out of it and also gave us a lot more visuals than that one did, uh, especially with regards to the, um, the Oculus tales from galaxy's edge, uh, game, which, I know I played, I greatly enjoyed, but I'm sure people who haven't played, this is your first real experience to get a lot of those visuals uh, associated with it. Yeah. Uh, Connor, what did you think of it? Did you enjoy the show overall before we start drilling in here? Oh, that was fine. Um, I I really enjoyed the, the writer's roundtable, uh, like that interview aspect. I could absolutely do with 100% less of the attempt at really cheesy jokes leave that to jim he crushes them um but no it, 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 there, there, i will uh, i don't want to get ultra critical there's some cringe elements to it but unintentional cringe i thought um but you know in terms of uh like the insight from the authors and stuff i thought that was really cool um i felt bad for the developers on the ilm side because you could tell they have not really super prepared to like be on some sort of show and like i could notice one of them you could see his eyes keep darting off screen so he could read the cue card <laughs> that was in front of him so i was kind of like oh these are people who are not really prepared uh to be on some sort of television but um yeah it, it, was, it was fine it was fine i'm speaking I'm a... <laughs> oh speaking of the uh the cringeworthy the um that spoiler 
uh, logo. She talks about spoiler warnings. I didn't realize that she meant that she was immediately going to dive into spoiler warnings because she kind of spoiled the book that I'm currently reading, A Test of Courage, in the opening like five minutes of her uh, show. <laughs> Same. Same. Uh, yeah, I thought that the ILM, uh, Industrial Light and Magic, which is something George Lucas founded, for those of you who are curious, um, they basically break down Temple of Darkness. It's a VR experience out of Tales from Galaxy's Edge for the Oculus. Jim has spoken about it in the past, but a, a quick TLDR on it. Um, it takes place in a Jedi temple where a Sith artifact is accidentally unleashed, and Master Yoda works alongside uh, Adi Sunzi, I believe her name is, a Padawan who has to like fight the darkness of the Sith artifact, but also darkness within herself. What's really cool about this is that Frank Oz does the voice for Yoda, and if you're not familiar with Frank Oz, he um, has voiced Yoda. the voice Yoda. of Yoda. <laughs> well, I mean, not everybody's aware. So Frank no, Oz like, has, has always done If you're not familiar Yoda. with him, he does the voice of Yoda. He yeah. does Yoda. But it is cool that they got, you know, the person who started with Yoda still doing projects for him. Um, so I haven't tried any of this uh, VR stuff except except for the um, experience in Orlando um, at, like, downtown Disney or, or Disney Springs. The Void. Yes. Uh, but from Jim's previous reviews, it sounds like a really good time, and they did a nice job, uh, I thought, with with the preview. It looked very enticing. It's like they kind of encapsulated it very well. Um, whereas most games, you're kind of you have a mindset of what you need to do, and like this one, you have a lightsaber, you have evil things flying at you, you're trying to kill them. I remember at one point during this, like this part of the game, it's kind of its own game within a game sort of thing. But I couldn't figure out what to do. Because what you're thinking that you should do is not what you should actually be doing. And it's kind of one of those like, well, maybe I should try something different because this is clearly not working. It's not stopping. I need to do something different. And they, they kind of mentioned that like um, they wanted to make a game where it wasn't as straightforward. And I, 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 I appreciate it of the game. It makes you think instead of just going and hacking and slashing. All right. Uh, so the next part of the show was for me, the best part of it. They did a round table discussion with Christina and she had uh, three guests, Charles Sewell, Justina Ireland, and Michael Siglane. So uh, Michael Siglane is the creative director at Lucasfilm Publishing. And if you're not familiar with Charles Sewell and Justina Ireland, they are two of the authors, um, the writers that are working on the High Republic initiative. Uh, our last episode was about Light of the Jedi, the first book in the High Republic from Charles Sewell, and he's also writing the mainline Star Wars comic. Justina Ireland is writing a whole slew of stuff right now. Um, God, somebody help me out with, with some of them. Well, Test of Courage, which I just mentioned, is uh, from her, and she's also writing that manga uh, the um, Edge of Balance. The Edge of Balance, yep. She co- she's co-writing that, sorry. Yes, with uh, Shima Shinya. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. And she's also doing the young adult novel Out of the Shadows. I think that was middle grade, they called it. Because I think they're they're differentiating between young adult and middle grade stories. Got it. Uh, yeah, so she's got her hands in a lot of stuff. I mean, all of the writers on this do. Charles Sewell is, is 
just as involved. Um, but I found this talk to be such um, an interesting insight into the process. Um, they kind of started off by revealing that Michael Seglane has been working on the High Republic since 2014, which is crazy. Yeah, this is... They, I don't even remember when they announced this as Project Luminous. It's been two, two years is, ago, I feel like, they started uh, hinting at it. I feel like 2018 was like the first that we had heard about it. I'd have to, to look it up, which I probably could do with the internet right in front of me. Um, but this has been a long time coming. And by the time you get to a point where you're ready to announce that you're working on something, you have to have gone pretty far along to get to there, even. It's, so I can imagine that, yeah, th- this has been a long time coming. It's yeah. it's reassuring to know that there is that there's definitely a a plan to the whole story, um, because they've been working on it so long. Um, I feel like there will be a lot less, you know, like planning it as they go. I feel that, so. That's that gives me more confidence in like each release is knowing like this is stuff that like like Light of the Jedi, for example, just came out now. Pretty safe to assume like the ideas for it were come up with years ago. 2018. So Michael Suglain uh, individually approached each author in the summer of 2018. So uh, a little over two years ago uh, now. And then it was announced at uh, Chicago celebration in 2019. Yes. Uh, So it's pretty wild that he was working on this with, I'm assuming the Lucasfilm story group for four years before any of the, writers that are handling it now even got involved so uh during this discussion i i knew that justina ireland was my type of person when i noticed her Cobb vanth cardboard cutout in her home behind her is that is that looks like a fat head to me i thought i i immediately picked up on that as well i'm like she has a Cobb Cobb vanth fat head (laughs) it was such a know what a fat head is uh they're the wall stickers oh okay okay the yeah, the cop van was such like a low key flex. I loved it. Yeah, I was like, okay, she's she's awesome. <laughs> like, I, I already yeah. felt like from reading it, uh, her interviews and stuff that I I liked her personality, and then I saw that, and I was like, yep. Keep uh, in mind, Cobb Vanth was only introduced like a couple months ago, so she had to have immediately purchased this and got it up on the wall when they released it. Uh, yeah. I like to think she pulled some strings to make that happen. Like, I'm getting the cut out. Um, I, I kind of want one now. I want to get a uh, at least a his figure when it comes out, or a, a pop. But Timothy Oliphant is just... I love him. He's such a dynamic actor. I've spoken about it at length on the show before, but I think he is like wildly underrated. Agreed. I hope we get more of him. Not to derail our conversation, I, I like him. Um, but yeah, I thought it was uh, so cool to hear the excitement from each of the writers as they spoke about being able to work with characters that are completely brand new, so you're not beholden to anything that's come before you, so everyone is fair game as far as what you want to do with them. And like uh, Justine Ireland made that point, and then Charles Soule was talking about how we've literally seen Luke Skywalker get born and we've seen him die. So you're pretty beholden to using that character. <laughs> He's pretty established in a specific way. And it was it was cool to see how excited they were to come into Star Wars and get to have a completely like empty 
you know, fresh slate. Like that is something that is so rare in the Star Wars universe cuz I feel like prior to this, every time you come in and you write about something, it's it's almost always something that's already been established by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's <clears throat> that speaks to why I don't I don't want any like Yoda centric stories in the High Republic cuz he's like the one main character at least in the last episode we talked about a couple other characters who are in it um yeah i know jj's holding up three i know there's two other but they're not like like you know they don't have like pivotal roles in the high republic whereas like yoda is mentioned multiple times watch your tongue everything ariel poof does is pivotal he himself is pivotal i'm not throwing shade but um no that's speaking of underrated characters from the sequel trilogy why have we not gotten ariel poof in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Get him in all three. Come on. Um, but no, I think that's why I don't really want any Yoda-centric stories is because there, you were, when you use a character that we know is still alive 800 or 600 years later, or what, not, sorry, 200 years later, there's – yeah, exactly. It's like don't have him being the main character because we know he's going to make it. There's so much less stakes. It's like I know he's going to make it through – everything so, there's no so real i know danger. that you're referencing a comic that we're going to discuss but i do not think that he is centric to that book whatsoever no that's i'm not saying he is I'm well a, jim's holding up the comic well, and he, nodding. yeah he's <laughs> he's he's in it but i don't think he's like i don't think he's the protagonist by any means like he's not the one he's definitely not yeah, yeah. And well I, I don't think we have to worry about that yeah no i agree and that and what i'm saying i'm saying that to say i think that's why I like so much what the High Republic is doing, and they bring it up in this roundtable. It's like, look, everybody's fair game. To, to they don't say die, but they're like anyone could die, and because we're not beholden to any sort of futures. And I like that. except Yoda, yes, <laughs> and Ariel Poof. Um, I I liked though, you know, Christina was talking to him about uh, Charles Soule about writing these characters um, during the. Uh, Hetzel system disaster and how much of them don't make it and I thought Charles Sewell had a great statement during that when he said I have a rule of thumb when writing anything if I feel it then the reader is going to feel it Uh, and he said there were so many characters approaching their last moments and with the first one that he had to kill off with Hedda uh, Cassette he was like I definitely felt it this is a person who does their job they do it very well. They care. They try. And it's still just, it's not enough. And he's like, from there, I wanted people to understand that there are, things are going to have consequences in the High Republic. And I would say that Light of the Jedi made that very clear. Oh, yeah. It's kind of surprising how many uh, people kick the bucket, uh, <laughs> like, immediately. And um, a test of courage, too. Like, it starts off with a lot of people dying. But that's what's part of Spoiler what... Spoiler warning. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Um, but that's part of what makes it uh, so much more refreshing, I guess. And interesting is is you're on your toes so much more um, as a reader. And I uh, I like that about it. And they mentioned in this roundtable about how like they got a lot of response from readers and such about how fresh and new it all feels. And it really does. It feels... Um, if, yeah, obviously we already know this, but it's like completely uncharted territory for Star Wars. So, um, that was one point that they brought up that I, I was like, yeah, you guys nailed it there. Like it is completely new and fresh feeling. Like Charles Soule is writing the mainline Star Wars comic right now, which is currently in the empire era. 
and we're following stories with Lou Skywalker and Princess Leia, which is great, and I'm stoked about it, but we know how they end up, so like the stakes can only get so high there, whereas with all these characters that we're reading about for the first time, they could be dead in a chapter. You know, we could turn the page and that could be their last page. Uh, so it definitely adds a, a, a new type of excitement to it. And at this point, I'm so heavily invested in some of these characters that it would hurt a lot. Like, I am all in on Avar Chris and Elzer Man and their little, like, will they, won't they type back and forth. That's one of my favorite parts of uh, Light of the Jedi. We actually didn't get into it last week. We'll get into it in the book club, I'm sure. But, uh... If either one of them bit the dust, I would like legitimately be, I'd be uh, flabbergasted. I'd be distraught. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't want to upset you, but uh, you might be distraught soon. I'm not saying I know anything, but with how freely characters are getting killed off left and right here, I wouldn't be surprised. I s- He's saying they're going to die. Yeah, I sense- Eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> let it be known they will at some point they will die <laughs> i mean this is a this is a something that's like very centric so far to the high republic justina ireland was talking about it and you know she said when telling a story you have to understand what loss is for a real person am i taking this emotional art deep enough and a jedi has to experience loss but they also have to ensure it doesn't impact them in a way that makes them forget why they're in the galaxy and what their greater purpose is And I thought that was really cool because we all have these, you know, she said we all have these moments of um, anger or disgust that could derail us, but a Jedi is supposed to recognize when that's going to happen and to stop it. And she spoke about bringing that to her YA books um, and saying, like, it's, it's almost easier in a way for her to do that when writing those books because kids have such an innate sense of justice and what's fair and what's not fair. And I thought that was a really cool perspective. All right. Uh, one of the last things that came out of the roundtable was Charles Sewell talking about Marky on Row. So he said, I wanted to create a villain that could stand alongside Darth Vader, Darth Maul, and Kylo Ren, but also be fresh and different, not just a retread. One of the ways we do that is to have this character overcome a challenge that was all but insurmountable, and we saw that. And he went on to say that he's his ruthlessness and cunning is going to be on the level of those other characters which makes me think like what there's got to be a lot more to this character because what he did was impressive but to me it's not on the level of those other characters yet so i'm wondering like how much worse this gets like how deeper into the darkness he's taking this character sounds like a lot (laughs) i can just see his upcoming job interviews so tell us about a problem that you had to overcome and how you did it. Well, I had to put the entire Republic at risk just to, to, to maintain my power base. And I, th- I think I think it worked out all right in the end. I had to unite a band of pirates through fear <laughs> and intimidation. Um, JJ, I think you buried the lead there uh, on what was really important in that Charles Sewell little tidbit. The fact that we now know how to pronounce Marshawn's name. Yeah, that it's not Marshawn. Uh, what are we doing? I've been saying Marshawn or Marshawn in my head the entire time. And then I hear I hear him go, well, the thing about Marchion, I'm like, who is Marchion? Are we making up names now? Um, I, we need phonetics in these books. Golly gosh, we, we, darn well, it. 
I mean, something with uh, one of my favorite all-time fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. There's 12 books, and in the back of every book is a glossary that tells you how to pronounce everyone's names. I feel like that's invaluable, and fantasy and sci-fi books really need to just make that standard. Agree. I uh, uh, hearty agree. Um, but no, it. I think what he said in, in a likening uh, Marcion to those characters sort of lends credence to the idea that like is Marcion gonna have ties to the Sith because notice and I very much might be reading into this too much but like he could have brought up non-Sith villains in Star Wars they do exist uh and the fact that he decided to compare them all to Sith I was like oh that's gonna kind of fuel the the idea that he could be a Sith which we discussed last episode if anyone wants to know our thoughts on that Actually, I think that uh, plays to the he not being a Sith because he's there's he's like we want to make him stand out from these characters, but also like level up to their the same type of villainosity. Different, uh, totally a word. Different, but still same. <laughs> different, but same. All right. So, uh, moving on. They also had another animated character bio. It seems like this is going to be a segment that every show has. This one was on Bell Zetifar, the apprentice to Jedi Master Loden Greatstorm. Uh, I thought this was a cool little thing they did. They talked about how he sees and interprets the Force, which is something that we've seen is is um, very unique to a lot of the Jedi that we've been introduced to. They did a recap of his mission to Hetzel Prime with his master. Uh, it was short, but I, I thought it was good. This is what Connor and I had talked about last episode or two episodes ago um, with the animated character shorts that we that basically ended up with about 20 seconds of content for the characters with neat animation around it. This is another one of those. Yeah, I want them to do more. And when I say more, I mean that in the sense of I want them to do more in quantity like give me more of these character bios i think they're cool but i also want them to do more in a sense of quality as in like make give us more within these things because they're add, they are cool add more meat yeah exactly like it's like i'm getting a little chicken wing that i can finish in one bite like give me a give me a thick bird you know oh the the point is to get the the meat from the stories right but i wanted new meat i went they were going through all this time to animate this entire segment Give me something new about the character that we haven't learned about in the story. Something, because this is supposed to be like background of the character. Give me where they came from or something like that. Something that you don't get in the story, but adds to the story. Yeah, like home planet. Something like that. Um, Uh, Well, we did get something new for Claudia Gray's Into the Dark, uh, which I have on my desk. Which I'm excited to dive into. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it sure is it's a radio so they gave now. us a, a little sneak peek into that book uh by revealing jedi Wayseeker orla jereni uh so the coolest thing about this character for me is that she uses a double-bladed hinged lightsaber just like from uh what we saw with ray in the the vision in um rise of skywalker so the the book will we're told follow her in present day as well back uh, as well as flashback to her time as a Padawan, and a way seeker I feel like um, is a term that's new, but what it is has been used in Star Wars in the past in Legends, I believe, with specifically a lot of old Republic content. Basically, uh, they're not tied to any one sector; they kind of go where the Force takes them around the galaxy. 
Yeah, I, I um, it, it was funny watching this because it was like at the time when the episode released of the Star Wars show, Into the Dark wasn't out yet, so it was like kind of a, it was cool. It was like, oh, cool, we're getting a little bit known about the character. But now Into the Dark is out, and now I'm just bummed because my copy still doesn't get here till next week, and I just want to start reading it. My copy comes tomorrow. Oh, and JJ's dancing with his. Have you read it yet? Yeah. No. No, no you no. haven't. Yeah. Loser. Get out of here. Beat it. Okay. Uh, the last segment of the show, we had them discussing, uh, as we mentioned earlier, The Edge of Balance. This is a new manga that they're releasing, and we mentioned Justina Ireland is the co-author on that with Shima Shinya. So the art is by Mizuki Sakakibara, and the protagonist was revealed. We've seen a picture of them before, but we didn't get their name until now. And it is Lily Tora Asai. And we know that during this story, we'll see Jedi Master Stellan Gios appear, as well as another Wookiee Jedi named Arkoff. And this arrives on June 8th. Again. So if you don't have uh, experience with Star Wars manga, uh, Lost Stars, Jim and I have previously recommended on the show many times. It's a great place to start. And if it's what we're going to judge them by, this is probably going to be really good. Um, again, I thought it was Stellan Geos the whole time. Learned in the show, it is not. It is Stellan Geos. So, hate that. But the the manga looks sweet. It's a re- it'll, I talked about this when we first talked about the manga. This is a, will get me to read a manga, which I've never done before. And I love the samurai influence. It's really cool. All right. And the last thing that was on the show, um, Emily Scoop. Connie from the Lucasfilm Story Group. Uh, she's a junior executive there, a creative executive. Uh, she answered a few uh, fan questions, pacing around Bell and Loden's story. Um, and I apologize. I, be- I believe Emily's pronouns are they, them. Uh, they also talk about uh, the Jedi being far more numerous in this era than they were during the prequel era, and their their kind of range in the galaxy is far greater now than it was then, which I think we know for obvious reasons. All right, so we are going to get into some comic books. All right, so we're going to talk some comic books. As I said earlier in the show, there are six series with six new issues, and there's even more than that. Uh, Darth Vader and Dr. Aphra are two more series that didn't have new issues for this episode. So there's a lot of Star Wars comic. Uh, But we are going to start with the mainline Star Wars book. Uh, So that is Star Wars number 11, which our very own Connor wrote a review for for AIPTcomics.com. So this is uh, by Charles Sewell and art by Jan Basil Dua with color by Rochelle Rosenberg. Connor, what did you think? Well, I think this actually perfectly ties into a conversation we were already having earlier in the show about what you can do with the established characters and the stakes only going so high. And that is something I highlighted in my review, a major... Let me start off with the positives, actually. I enjoy this. There is a lot of fun action in it, and there's a great um, a, a great struggle, internal struggle in the rebellion between uh, Lando Kess Dameron and Princess Leia over what to do with Lobot and whether they should risk Lobot's life to possibly save Starlight Squadron. I thought that was a very uh, one of the most interesting parts of this comic. It was very emotionally engaging, and it really put Leia in a new light where she had to like make a terribly tough decision. Um, and there were some fun action moments watching Starlight Squadron try to escape this ambush. But 
the major problem I had with this is because the vast entire almost every single character in this book is used in other mediums or sorry in other stories that take place after these events there's like no stakes in what they're doing because you know they're gonna make it um so like the yes the like the the them escaping the ambush is cool to look at because it's very well drawn and and there's some some cool sequences in it but it's you know it's Poe's mom, who we know lives because of Shattered Empire. It's Lulo Lampar, who we know lives because he's in the Poe Dameron comic. It's Wedge Antilles, who we know lives because he's in Rise of Skywalker for a hot second. Um, and then two other pilots who, you know, are barely introduced you don't really care about. So there's there's not many stakes, and I think that really harms this book. But I also understand that that is just kind of what you have to deal with, um, which is why I, I, the very action-focused storylines in these mainline Star Wars books tend to not work as well because you can only, like we said earlier, you can only have so many stakes in, um, involved. The ceiling is only so high. But it still is, I would say, it's still an enjoyable comic. It's just, I would like if they shifted away from these types of stories and more like, the like what interests me the most about this comic is setting up the, the future storyline of Lando maybe possibly going behind the back of the Republic or the rebellion to sell their secrets to Jabba. That's way more interesting to me than Starlight Squadron escaping an ambush. Uh, what, what do you guys think? I just kind of ranted for five minutes. I didn't like this comic at all. I felt it was disingenuous to the character of Leia and that she would literally hold Lobot's life in the palm of her hand for any reason whatsoever. Um, He is standing right there. Basically, she doesn't treat him like a human being. He is a drooling mess, which the one droid had said, I'm going to kill this guy if you keep using him. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, Yes, it turns out that they were kind of doing a subterfuge, but regardless of the subterfuge, he could have died easily still and so I, I i felt that was entirely disingenuous to her character and yes it's going to piss lando off um because it would piss me off and i probably wouldn't have been taken away as easily as lando was and and so that that i wasn't a huge fan of and that kind of tainted my feelings on the whole issue regardless of the starlight issue which is one thing i didn't also like is that starlight squadron so this Starlight Operation Starlight of this arc is named after Starlight Squadron, which does not appear to have any connotations with Starlight Beacon, which is also a similar series being written by Charles Sewell. I didn't so even think of that. Why did you call it Starlight Squadron if you weren't going to have connotations to the High Republic? Well, because aren't they trying to like? Don't they want to find this? Didn't they bring up in the earlier issues that like their ultimate goal is to find the Starlight Beacon and see if they can use that as a rebel hub? I thought that was like part of the the point. I didn't see them actually reference that. I think that was more of an assumption of what they were doing. I don't. Oh, yeah, I don't. I don't recall that either. Um, I think I, you're. Yeah. you're absolutely right on the Leia point. Um, especially, it reminded me a little bit of um, Holdo's plan in the li- in in the Last Jedi, Admiral Holdo's plan, in the sense that like she Poe was like, "You can't do this. What are you doing?" And she was like. She had a plan that if she had just told Poe, like, oh, hey, here's what I'm doing, he probably would have been like, 
oh, okay. It reminded me that because Leia is telling, like, basically tells Lando, like, we're going to sacrifice your friend to save Starlight Squadron. But then it's revealed at the end she knew the whole time it wasn't going to kill Lobot. So why didn't you just tell Lando, like, I know this isn't going to kill him. I have a plan. Well, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it didn't make sense that she wouldn't include Lando on this on in the like plan to do that and it, her lack of compassion also was uncharacter uncharacteristic of her character but um nonetheless I enjoyed the action and like what Starlight Squadron was up to uh moving on we have Star Wars the High Republic number 2 this is from Kevin Scott with art by um Ario and Anandito, and this introduces two new characters, uh, the Jedi uh, twins, Tarek and Serret, and we have newly knighted Jedi uh, Trennis with her former master, um, Skier, or Skier? Skier. Skier. Like the people that go down hills on the the skis. Skier, yeah. Skier. Um, yeah, I thought this one was really good. Um, it was my second favorite comic that I read, uh, out of, out of these six. I thought they did such a cool, I saw so many people being like, oh my God, he's turning to the dark side. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's suffering from PTSD. And I, I thought the way that the writer and the artist, uh, portrayed that was really well done. That was my favorite part of the issue. Uh, I'm really excited to see new characters and how they have this, like, innate connection and how there's clearly some crazy plant monsters that are coming up um but i still think that the highlight was easily how they portrayed this you know seasoned jedi master still suffering uh from ptsd uh i thought that was extremely well done uh the art stands out in this for me i don't get me wrong i like the story a lot too and i i i got um when skier goes on his mini rampage against the the Nile who assaults him. I got uh, little flashbacks to when Kylo Ren goes nuts on the control board. Um, felt a little bit like that. Um, except yeah, on a... I'm sharing my screen with you guys. This panel right here, this artwork. It was just... Where he's... Can you see, what, can you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought this especially just looked gorgeous. He was... He was um, and what for the listeners, what JJ's showing is... The, the sequence where uh, the, the gas comes, envelops Skier and uh, Serret or Tarek, they both look exactly the same, and he ignites his lightsaber through the gas. It's a, it's, I mean, every panel in this book is gorgeous, and the double, the double splash page when they find uh, the dead hut, and it's just like both pages is that whole sequence. Oh, my God. It was so good. Um, I, I, I stared at that page for, I lingered on, on those two pages for quite some time. Um, so I, 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 I'll, I'll stop gushing over the book and just say that I think, uh, Star Wars High Republic, the comic is off to an incredible start and is really good so far. I also appreciated how the dead, dead hut comes back. Like he's in the background of several later shots in the, in the, in the comic series. And so you could still see him back there. Yeah. He's got his like giant goopy tongue hanging out filled with blaster holes. So it was pretty brutal. Gamorrean guards. It was, yeah, that was a really great panel. I am confused over why skier took off his breath mask though. They never explained that. I actually had to keep going back. I'm like, when, where did his breath mask go? And they show it in his hand. 
that he took it off, but they never explained why he did that. And he kind of went nuts after that. And so I don't think that it's fully the PTSD, which he clearly has based on the comic. Um, but I think there is a tinge of dark side associated with that based on his actions after that point. And is the gas driving him in a way that he wouldn't normally act? Or is this his own innate um, anger coming out? Well, and I mean, also par- part of being a Jedi is having control over your emotions and, and, and not letting your emotions control you. And part of your path, part of the path to the dark side is, is losing that control. Um, and I think it, it, it opens up a greater conversation that we don't have to have right now, obviously, because we don't have time, of whether or not, like, you know, is it is it manageable to be a Jedi? Like, because I think what he did was a perfectly, it's not perfectly reasonable, but a somewhat reasonable expression of grief. But as a Jedi, that's not okay. What he did was, like, no, you're not allowed to show that kind of anger or sadness. Um, that's a different conversation for a different day, though. All right. Uh, next, we have bounty hunters. Uh, so, I I really want to like this comic, and I feel like every time it it starts to improve, it 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 stumbles again. And that was this uh, this issue was a big stumble for me. I thought the uh, flashback to seeing how Valance gets his his eye, uh, how he loses his eye, was really cool. I liked that. But the main story just made no real sense to me. He flies in in his ship and then just flies immediately back out in another one. And and I'm just like, why did he need to swap ships to do this? Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just do that in the first place? The story just didn't make sense to me at all and just felt like um, kind of pointless. I think I said it last time, last time we put out comics is that Bounty Hummers number eight, I actually really enjoyed. This is number nine, and I'm I'm 100% with you. I like a full 360, 360, 180, um, 270. <laughs> you disliked it so much, you ended up liking it again. <laughs> <laughs> I went around, like, I just kept spinning on no, this No, no, it, it does feel like that. I thought eight was great, too. And we're also getting these flashbacks for other characters that I'm just, like, I, I have no idea well, what's going on here. The, it just feels, like, so randomly placed. The flashbacks are weird, too, because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Jim will know this. Don't we already know this because that was in Imperial Cadet? We've seen this kind of. We haven't seen this detail, so I'd have to go back to Imperial Cadet to see if this um, contradicts or if it's filling in holes that we haven't seen um, because it seems weird what they're doing here. I do appreciate it because it is kind of tying in with Imperial Cadet, but I don't know how much it's contradicting or supplementing the story that we got before. But I mean, I, I'm on the same page with you guys. Um, here's how I'll summarize my thoughts. I read this twice and I barely remember it. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I just feel like the book can't find a good rhythm. It's We get like every other issue or so is solid and then it's just the stories all over the place again. There's very little um, actual bounty hunting in it. Have yeah, you noticed that? that too. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of upsetting. It's like I thought this was going to be a book about bounty hunt like bounty hunters and it's not. And that's Yeah. Kinda... Yeah, that's a really good point. It did kind of misrepresent itself. Um but we got to move on. Um Star Wars Adventures number 3. I just straight up forgot to read this book. Don't worry, I did read it and um 
it, it's it's cool because it brings Life Day in, and there's more Obi Wan and Qui Gon Jinn content. Um, but you know, it's I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't dissuade somebody from reading it, but I'm also not going to tell anyone to go read it. It's like it's 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 fine. It exists. It's a thing. I the Life Day one was I just like Life Day. I love um, anytime Life Day is brought up. Yeah. And so that that that's probably not the highlight story of this book. The highlight story is the second one, uh, really? which is Maul uh, kind of consolidating his power base with Savage Press, and it's an interesting kind of take on how Maul got one of the factions within his power base. I you see. I I I was kind of indifferent towards the backup story. I wasn't. Against it, I wasn't super into it. I was just kind of like, okay, another another Maul showing off his skills story. Um, so I guess if you're a big Maul fan, it's it's def- that that'll definitely do it. Um, I think the backup story was more interesting than the main story. I'll agree with you there. I, I think it had more going for it. Um, I also just love Savage Press, so anytime I get more Savage, I'm into it. Who's also barely in the comic? It's mostly hey, Maul. You know, you get two panels of him. I think exactly two panels actually. All right. So next we had Star Wars Adventures Smuggler's Run, uh, number two. This comic just continues to uh, impress the hell out of me. I loved it. Yet again, the artwork is delightful. It's a fun story with some characters we do know, some characters we don't know. We get new characters in the Empire, new characters on the in the Rebel Alliance. Uh, and it's, I know it's, it's based off of a story Greg Rucker wrote, um, but I, I, again, they just did such a nice job, um, transitioning it over to comics. Uh, it's a, and it's, it's just a very fun and exciting adventure story. It's, um, clearly like, you know, we know it's self-contained to the story Greg Rucker wrote, but, um, I can't say enough good things about the artwork. I'm going to hope that they put this artist, um, on more Star Wars books, get his name here, uh, Ingo Romling. Yeah, just love it. Yeah, I agree. Um, very, very, very good. If you are looking for a short, self-contained Star Wars story, um, that brings a little bit of newness to the table, and you especially looking for some classic Han Solo, uh, this is it. It's it's just can't say enough good things about it. It's 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 a very, very well done, very enjoyable Han Solo story. I would say something, but my comic book didn't pull it for me, so I have to wrote myself a note to make sure that they do that. Oh no! Uh, yeah, I'd, um, I had to read it digitally as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great read. Like I I can't really say any more than what uh, JJ already stated. It's just it's it's just it's very very good. Is all. All right, and our last book to discuss this morning. Um, Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures, number one through IDW. And this was my favorite book that I read out of all of these uh, by far. This is from uh, a great creative team. We have uh, writing Daniel Jose Older and art by Harvey uh, Tolibau. Is that correct? Looks right. Yeah. And then we had colors from uh, Rebecca Nolte. So this is a High Republic story, obviously, and we're getting a slew of new Jedi Padawans, to be specific. Uh, There's just so much to enjoy here, uh, from the art to the story 
to uh, it, it's not me right like the jedi padawan quart like that's clearly a homage to darth uh crate right um like the mask that the kid wears i don't know if that's a mask i thought that was just his, his species what? i don't know what you're talking about all right so uh let me see what page this is so if if you go to the page that shows the yeah, that's the kid. But if you go to this, the, it's right at the start that shows the Starhopper Padawan Academic Cruiser Hyperspace. And yeah. then you scroll down. That's, you mean the, the, well, that's just what he looks like. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that's a mask. I think that's. Well, mask or what he looks like. I, I looked him up in Wikipedia and I didn't get a species for it. And they said there it was a mask. I don't see any confirmation anywhere else. But uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that I feel like this. Just so we're clear, I'm going to share my screen again. Um, this guy right here. Yeah. Just so we're clear, that that has to be an homage to Darth Crate. Maybe. The similarities are crazy. I'm I'm pulling it up for you now. I don't know who Darth Crate is, and I'm afraid to ask. He's from the Legacy comic series, Asherad Het. Um. Well, while while JJ pulls that up, I will echo his sentiments. I was. Very happy with. Oh, sorry, he's pulling it up. Eh, there's yeah, there's some similarities. Some, I feel like it looks exactly like him. I think they could just be the same species. Well, that that's a mask. Yeah, uh, Asherad hits human. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm I'm getting at that <laughs> artist on Twitter. I demand to know. I need answers. Uh, no, what I loved about this is with, um, we've talked about it many times before, is the Avengers line are usually um, geared towards uh, kids. Like, they're not even young adult comics, they're kids comics. But with this, much like with Smuggler's Run, this doesn't feel like a kids comic at all. This just feels like the other Star Wars High Republic comic. Um, and I really appreciated that. And I liked how this comic seemed to take concurrently take place concurrently with the novel. And we got right off the bat a showdown with the Nile, and that makes me, I'm very stoked on that. Um, and this this other perspective on the Force too that we get from the the locals of the planet. I'm blanking on the planet's name. Well, I don't know. They're not locals to this planet. The, they're it's nomads. A traveling yeah. group. Yeah. Of basically like a uh, like kind of almost like monks, like a sect. Yeah. Of like elders and apprentices and adepts, and yeah, as you said, they basically have the opposite view of the Jedi. Like, you should never touch the Force. Yes, that the Force is something to be afraid of. Um, and I really like that. And you you have uh, this this young girl who has to suppress her powers and, you know, suppress who she is. And I think, I, I think that's a very interesting angle and a very interesting character that I'm excited to follow. Yeah, this, de- this story definitely takes place during the Light of the Jedi. It was even, um, like, Yoda's mission... I don't know if it's a mission, but what he's doing um, during this comic was mentioned in Light of the Jedi, how he's basically free roaming around the galaxy with a bunch of uh, younglings. I don't think they're Padawans um, yet. I think they are just uh, a couple Padawans, but mostly younglings. And um, I did have some issues with this comic at first. It was confusing as they were bouncing back and forth between the two main girls until I realized that they were color coding the boxes when they have the boxes merged together with both colors in it. You realize I'm like, Oh, 
they're color coding the boxes so that you can follow along which what which whose mind you're kind of within and i loved when they melded the the boxes together to show that they were they were parallel thinking but also doing different actions i thought that was so cool the the colors are gorgeous as well and the the drawings of the nile and the spider ship uh and at the very end when you see like uh i'm guessing it's a storm or a tempest uh from the nile ranks like on the ramp of the ship coming down like you see them in the very back where they say kill them all it looks like to me, that's Markeon Row. If you look at the mask on it, I actually didn't even think about that. Because remember how they described the mask in in uh, Light of the Jedi? That looks like how they describe his mask. That would be I yeah. I, that would be I would really really like that because we have obviously talked about how uh, Markeon is the big bad of the High Republic, um, which is why it's a it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just it's it's just a little weird that he's only in the light of the Jedi. So if that is him, I'd love that, that he shows up here. Um, that'd be awesome. It's just another chance to flesh him out more. Well, Jim, what do you think? He's intently uh, reading. No, I'm trying to find the picture of, and I agree with you. That is how they described the mask, but that is not how we've seen the mask pictured in the pictures, which I had mentioned before that they were not the same thing that the, they described the mask as kind of a, um, basically a galaxy rotating around uh, or a starfish that you've kind of swirled into a, a circle. And um, that's what they're kind of, but it's really, really small. And so it's really hard to see what they're doing in the comic, but I can definitely agree with you that, uh, that it does look like the mess that they described in the book. Yeah. Either way, um, whether it's, it's him or not, um, I like all the new characters we've been introduced to. Uh, it's an interesting story, and the artwork uh, from the pencils to the color are all fantastic. So I can't wait to see where they take this. Um, yeah, very very excited to see where they go from here. Uh, bravo to the creative team on this. My only complaint is I thought Buckets of Blood was going to be in this issue. The the Jedi paramedic in Buckets of Blood was not. I, he, I thought he had alluded that he would be. Maybe he's in the background. Um because, like, if we have seen everybody in the issue, uh, theoretically, he is in there somewhere. He is in it. Oh, that's him? It's Master Torben Buck. Oh, he wasn't even references Buckets of Blood. I'm almost positive that's him. All right, guys. So that is going to do it. That's a lot of comics talk, uh, a lot of the High Republic show talk. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we're going to be... After this, in a couple hours, heading to our first official AIPT Star Wars book club, where we'll be discussing Light of the Jedi. Uh, if you'd like to join that book club, you can do so for as little as $2. You also get access to our Discord community, which has a lot of great people on it. Uh, and there's also the comic book book club. So check out our Patreon. Uh, it's AIPTcomics.com. You can find the Star Wars uh, book club post there, as well as uh, plenty of links to our Patreon. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Tauntauns, where we tweet out every day uh, Star Wars facts of the day, comic book reviews, previews, toys, movies, of course our shows, the works. And if you'd like to uh, shoot us some feedback, we'll happily read it uh, on the show. You can either get us on Twitter or shoot us an email, TalkingTauntauns at AIPTcomics.com. So uh, future episodes coming up, we're going to be talking about 
Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. We've got some fun uh, film projects in the works for you and some more interviews. So lots of content on the horizon. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time. Bye, you girl.